Hello and welcome to Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Todd's message today brings tremendous hope and clears up confusion about how God predetermines. So many folks believe that their past determines their future. They might say, if you knew my history, you would know that God could never use me. And also, I made my decisions about my future based on my situation today. God says, I'm not looking at who you are today. I already know who you are going to be tomorrow. Pastor Todd says, please, please grab a hold of why God is excited about you. He knows what you don't know. He knows who you are going to be. He's not worried about who you are because he's going to get you where you need to be. As Pastor Todd regularly says, are you ready to get into it? Be sure to listen to the end for some important information. I want to talk about God predetermines. God predetermines things. I'm going to use one of the most popular scriptures that you've heard a hundred times if you've been a Christian for a day. It's in Jeremiah 29.11. When I say Jeremiah 29.11, most of you already know where I'm going. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a hope and a future. Now listen, I, I want you to repeat that with me. I know the plans I have for you. Ready? I know now, sadly, when we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, where we always go to is a hope and a future and prosperity. And we start talking about what the good plan is. But that's not where I want to be this morning. Where I want to be this morning is that God predetermines things. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Forget the rest of the verse for now. Let's just concentrate on that. I know the plans I have for you. God has made plans for you. God has a plan for you. It is a predetermined plan. In other words, you and I can't read this scripture without knowing this is a future thing. I know the plans that I have for you. There are plans made in advance. There are decisions made beforehand. That's what predetermined means. Predetermined means the decision is made beforehand. And most of the time, I find this to be very true, most of the time the recipient is unaware of the plan. Have you ever been completely unaware of a plan of God and then boom, it's in your lap? Oftentimes we have no idea, but God has to predetermine it and it, listen, has to be unknown to us. If we already know it, then there's no necessarily predetermined plan. It has to come as somewhat of a surprise to us. Typically, uh, it's often contradictory to what we expect to happen. I don't know about you, but that's true of me when it comes to God. The plan that he had is often different than the one I had. I was sure it was his plan because it sounded good to me. But to him, he had a completely different plan and it ended up being good. I just didn't recognize it as good until I was in the midst of it. But always the plan that God has is going to be revealed. There would be no reason for him to make a plan if that plan wasn't to be Revealed. So I want to show you in Scripture in some very obvious stories, some of the things you know, but we're just going to read them again, where God has predetermined something about someone. In advance, He has said, this is my plan for you, and you don't even 
know it. I'm going to start with a man we know named Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Here's what's going on. The Midianites are attacking and Gideon is actually afraid of them. And so he's in a wine press threshing out wheat. In essence, he is hiding from them, but trying to live his day-to-day life. And God comes to him and says something to him that is a predetermined plan. Gideon does not know what's coming, but it's going to be revealed to him. In chapter eleven, uh, chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. If you want to know what a terebinth tree is. We call it an oak, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. That's hiding from the Midianites, threshing out wheat, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon says to him, my Lord, if the Lord's with us, then why has all this happened to us? We're all of his miracles, which our father told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But the Lord's forsaken us. He's delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now don't miss that. You're in the winepress, threshing out wheat, hiding from the Midianites. And he says, didn't I send you? So he said to him, oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. There's an interaction going on between God and Midian, uh, God and Gideon. Gideon sees today, but God sees tomorrow. God sees a future that Gideon does not even see today. Gideon sees himself as weak and the least in his family. God has predetermined that Gideon is a mighty man of valor. He knows something about Gideon that Gideon does not know about himself. And God is excited about Gideon's future. And Gideon is clueless about his future. God sees who he will be, not who he is today. I need you to hear this. God sees who you will be, not who you are Today, in other words, it is almost inconsequential to God's plan as to who you are today because God has already made the plan. So you will be who God calls you to be regardless of who you are today. Next example. It's a guy named David. We know David. Uh, David is a guy who's living in a time where Israel had asked for a king because all the other nations had kings. Why can't we have a king? God has given you judges. Well, we don't want judges. We want a king like the other nations have kings. God says, you want a king? I'll give you a king. Have King Saul. Have King Saul. Saul doesn't exactly reign well. But it was a predetermined plan of God to replace Saul. In 1 Samuel 16, 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, the prophet of the day, 
How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. And I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. Go to verse 6. So it was when they came that they looked at Eliab. Now this is talking about Samuel when he got there, looked at Eliab. Why did he look at Eliab? Eliab is a son of Jesse and Eliab is the oldest son of Jesse. The expectation was that the firstborn, the oldest, would take this role. So he looks at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord is anointed before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance or his physical statue because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, and the Lord looks at the heart. Praise God. So Jesse says to Abinadab, the second oldest son, well, if it's not the oldest, it must be the next one in line, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Samuel said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema, the third son, pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, all the young men are here. And then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him and bring him in. We will not sit down until he comes here. Verse 12. So he sent and brought David in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. This is a shepherd boy, the youngest of the family. We just last year stood over the very fields where David was when he was tending sheep and they called for him to come out and come back to the house. David's family saw him as the least. That's why his father didn't recommend him first or second or third. He went in order. David's family saw every other son as a better choice. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's for somebody. Your family may have seen all of your brothers and sisters as a better choice. They all saw him as a shepherd. One to keep the animals out in the field. Do you know that David doesn't become king for almost 20 years? God had predetermined David to be the king. David's family didn't see him as a king. David was too young to see himself as a king. David and his family saw today, but God sees tomorrow. It's another guy. Let's go over to the New Testament and really think about what happens to a guy named Peter. Oh, we know Peter. Peter Popoff is what I call him. Peter pops off at the mouth on a regular basis. Peter gets in trouble on a regular basis. But Peter is a fisherman. Peter's life is to go out on the Sea of Galilee and catch fish and sell it to the people. That's what he does for a living. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
Then he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and they followed him. Now listen to me. Peter did not know he was going to lead the church one day. Peter didn't know he was going to be anything but a fisherman. Listen to me. Peter did not know he would do anything but manual labor for the rest of his life. That's who he was. He was a fisherman. That day, he did not know the Messiah was going to come by and call him into ministry. That day, he recognized, I have no formal training. Fishermen were not trained to be church leaders or priests. Listen to me. You may have no formal training. Don't let that stand in your way. Because when God has predetermined that you are a church leader, you will be a church leader. See, Peter saw himself today. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is all I ever see. This is who I'm going to be. And in one day, immediately, in a moment, everything changed. There's another guy like that. Except he had a much more cloudy past. He had things in his past that he really didn't want to talk about and didn't want to deal with. As a matter of fact, he ran away so he wouldn't have to deal with him. His name was Moses. And in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He is in Midian, which is on the other side of the Gulf of Aquaba. And he led the flock back of the desert, to the back of the desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. And so he looked, and behold, the, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not being consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight of why the bush doesn't burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then he said, don't draw near to this place. Take the sandals off your feet for the place you're standing is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. For I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to the land that is good and a large land and a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I want you to consider Moses' story. Raised in the house of Pharaoh. Raised in opulence and leadership. Goes out one day, sees a Hebrew being beat. Decides to kill the Egyptian who's beating him. Recognizes, I can't kill an Egyptian and live in the palace of Pharaoh. They're going to kill me. I'm out of here. 
runs from the problem, leaves Egypt, goes to Midian. Now remember, this is a guy who has grown up in the palace who is now taking on the role of a shepherd. I'll stay out in the field with the animals. Nobody will bother me here. I'll just live out peacefully and contently here because I'm a wanted man in Egypt. I'm just going to hide. He saw himself as a man who was now settled to just be a shepherd. And when God begins to speak to him, if you read the whole story, four times Moses tells God, I'm not your man. Don't pick me. I've been in trouble back there. I can't speak. This is not for me. I don't want to do it because he sees himself today and God sees him tomorrow. God had predetermined that Moses would lead his people out of Egypt. It was a plan of God. And I want you to think about just these four. Just these four in Scripture. Where did they start? One man started in a wine press hiding from the enemy, feeling unable to do anything about it. One man started tending sheep, feeling inexperienced to be a king. One man started out as a fisherman, feeling untrained to lead the church. And one man started in a prestigious spot, lost it all, and then was called back to it and felt unworthy to do it. All had humble beginnings and amazing finishes. Which one are you feeling today? Do you feel unable to lead? Do you feel unexperienced in order to take on what God has for you? Do you feel untrained, which I think is probably one of the major ones that concerns people about coming into a church. I don't have a seminary degree. I'm untrained. I was the pastor of a church before I got my seminary degree. Maybe you're feeling unworthy. You look at your past and you say, with what I've done, God could not possibly use me. If you knew my history, if you knew the things I had done, then I don't see that I got any chance right now but to hold on tight and hope I get to heaven. I'm just going to lay low. Because with my past, I'm just going to stay in this place of mercy, 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 God. Just let me have a shack by the tracks. I just want in. (laughs) These same people had no idea what the predetermined plan of God was for their life. Boy, if you could let that soak in for just a minute, wherever you are, you do not know what God has planned for you next. But there's a pretty good chance it's going to blow you away. These people looked at their today. Here's my situation, God. Therefore, I have made the decisions about my future based on where I am today. And God said, I'm not looking at where you are today. I already know who you're going to be tomorrow. Please, 
please grab a hold of why God is excited about you. He's excited about you because he knows what you don't know. He knows who you're going to be. He's not worried about who you are because he's going to get you where you need to be. That's a beautiful thing. It helps me understand why God would want to talk to me. Why God would be excited about me. Why God would want to fill me with hope and joy. Why Christ would want to live in me. Why? Because of who I'm going to be, not because of who I am. Please hear that. Gideon hiding in a wine press becomes the commander of the army that beats the Midianites. And they do it with clay pots and horns and torches. David, the shepherd, becomes the king of all of Israel. Not just Judah, but all of Israel. Peter, the manual laborer, becomes the leader of the church in that time. Moses, a murderer on the run, delivers an entire nation of people out of bondage. And I believe, I believe that during three weeks of just resting, God expressed to me that 2020 for Revive Church is the year of leadership. There will be leaders that rise up in this place that are sitting here right now having no idea you're going to be leading. No idea. No idea you're qualified. Pretty sure you're untrained. Pretty sure you're unworthy. Having no idea that he would pick you and why he would pick you. I'm just going to say this. I see men like Cesar Montenegro. He is going to be a leader in this church. He's an amazing servant and a good man. Nobody in their right mind picks Gideon to lead the army. He's from the weakest tribe and he's the least of that tribe. Why would he be in charge? Nobody picks David. He's shown nothing that says he can be king. He's watching over animals. Nobody picks Moses. He's already got a bad track record. He loses his temper and kills people. (laughs) Nobody picks Peter not to lead a church. He's just a fisherman. I'm telling you, some of you are sitting here today having no idea what's about to happen to you. God is calling the unable. God is calling the unexperienced. God is calling the untrained. God is calling the unworthy. You know how to recognize those? I can tell you in advance how you can begin to recognize who's going to call. Who's going to be called? Here's how you know. Currently, they are humble. They are not looking for a leadership position. They are not trying to impress. They are simply following well. They're not expected. They're not expecting to be given something. They're waiting on their gifts to make a way instead of asking for a way because of their gifts. Why is humility important? Massey taught on this very effectively while I was gone. No flesh stands in God's presence. You need humility in order to hear from God. 
Humility shows honor to those around you. And you need to be led by the Spirit and you cannot be led by the Spirit if you're not humble. So you may think, man, I don't have what it takes. I'm just a manual labor guy doing a job, going through life. I'm unqualified. I'm untrained. Maybe I've already blown it. And the best I can hope for is just to be accepted into heaven. Seventeen years ago, I was sitting in the living room of my home. I had opened a Bible. I needed an answer from God. It didn't have anything to do with leadership. It didn't have anything to do with ministry. It had everything to do with the life of my wife. It was all I was there for, trying to understand where he was going and what he was doing. And in a moment when I had no expectations of ministry, my goal was manufacturing. I loved it. I loved doing it. I loved the way they paid me to do it. (laughs) And in the living room of my home on Amherst Lane in Flower Mound, Texas, he said, you're going into the king's service. And I knew exactly what it meant, and I had no request of it at all. Didn't know this is what I'd be doing. Wasn't asking for this. Don't, didn't want to do it. But in the moment, he said, guess what? It's you. It's you in the shepherd's field. It's you untrained. It's you thinking you're unable. It's you, Todd, having no experience in church leadership. It's you thinking you're unworthy. I choose you. Listen to me. God has predetermined a plan for you. And they don't have anything to do with where you are right now. Gideon didn't want to lead an army. He wanted God to miraculously save them. Moses didn't want to be a savior. He was hiding out and hoping no one would find him. Peter was just fishing one day when Jesus came by. See, a weakling never believes he can lead an army. And a murderer never believes he can be admired. And a fisherman never believes he could be in charge of the kingdom. That's why God's excited about you. Because he's about to surprise you. He's about to show you something about yourself that you didn't know. And I'm just going to tell it to you really bluntly. I don't care where you are today. I care about the predetermined plan of God for your life. And you may think you can mess up God's plans. This is going to rock some of you theologically, so just hang in there. You may think you can mess up the plans of God. I would tell you to think about Moses. The murderer on the lamb being picked to save the people. Moses could not remove his destiny by running away from it. What he did was run directly into it. I would ask you to think about a guy like Jonah. Jonah who was told to go to Nineveh and instead he rejects that plan and he runs away and he ends up in a whale. But you know what he eventually does? Brings the gospel to Nineveh. 
Jonah only Jonah only delayed his destiny with rebellion. Jonah only delayed his destiny with his rebellion. Oh, you can be rebellious. Clearly you can be rebellious, but you're just delaying the inevitable. As Saul believes he's fulfilling his destiny, believes that persecuting the way is his destiny. I've got my destiny. I know what I'm doing. I'm moving forward. He aggressively pursues what he thinks he should be doing, and then he gets knocked off his high horse. And the entire plan changes because God had a predetermined plan that Paul would bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Another significant thing to remember, not everyone's predetermined plan is Moses level, is Abraham level, is David level, is Gideon level. I want you to hear me. By level, I don't mean better. I mean, we see those tasks as ominous and huge. But you have to remember people like Bezalel, whose predetermined plan of God was to make furniture to make the perfect furniture for the temple. You got to think about people like Rahab, whose job was to hang a scarlet rope in her window. You got to think about a widow who put two mites in an offering plate. You got to think about a blind man that just got some mud rubbed in his eyes and then had to explain to the Pharisees how this happened. You got to think about a woman who broke an alabaster jar on the Savior's feet and is still talked about 2,000 years later. See, because too often we think about how big God's plans are in worldly terms and we don't understand sometimes how big they are in the spiritual realm. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. Now for some very exciting news. Pastor Todd's latest book has just been released. It's called Missing Pieces. Have you ever asked yourself, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, why do I still do the things I don't want to do? Pastor Todd addresses this and many more important questions that most of us have pondered for years. Pastor Todd fills in the missing pieces that we have wondered about, and when those pieces are understood and put in place, the bigger picture becomes more clear. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue in Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.